And uh, so good to see you at Heartland today. Again, want to welcome all of you online. Welcome our North Judson, our Wanata, our Hebron campus. I want to welcome MPH Westville. Come on, can you put your hands together, make some noise, let them know you're here as well. They can hear you this morning as they're watching and want to say welcome to all of you here at Valpo, those of you watching online in your living room as well. And uh, Pastor Phil and Miss Rhonda made a very quick trip down to Kentucky uh, to do some ministry down there and some exciting things happening there that maybe you'll hear more about eventually uh, of what God's doing in Kentucky. And so, uh, but it's good to see you this morning. I want you to take out your Bibles and go to Haggai. That's where we're going to be at again today, Haggai in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, if you've got a NIV Bible, like my version, it's page 885. That might help you out. So uh, it might be around there somewhere. Or maybe you've got a version app on your phone or a tablet. You could follow along there as well. And we have the worship guide and the screen. We got you back this morning. You're going to see the scripture one way or the other. And uh, so we're going to continue our series that we're in, that we've been in all month on action. Everybody say action. Action. We've been talking about being a people of action, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of action. Amen? All right, two of you think so. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of action. Amen? And uh, so we've been looking at what does that mean uh, to have action in our life? How do we have action in our life? We've been looking at Haggai the, as the prophet came to the people of God and they came out of a Persia and they went back into the promised land. They begin to build back the temple and the altar of God. And uh, this morning we're going to continue that series and and look at Haggai, particularly our passage, on what it looks like to have action. But I don't know if you've ever, uh, have you ever walked into a room and it just felt a little off? Anybody but me? Like, you're like, something feels off in here, right? Uh, like, maybe, I don't know, like, this has happened to me before. Like, I've been on both ends of this. I've been on the receiving end, and I've walked into a house. Maybe you was going to a party, and, uh, you know, uh, there was decorations, there was things happening, um, and you walked in, and even though it looked like it was all put well together, like, you could tell something was off, as if, like, the husband and wife was probably arguing right before company showed up. Come on. Don't act like y'all have never done this before. Like, I've, I've even done, like, me and my wife might be going at it, and then we hear the knock on the door, like, okay, hey, listen, everybody's here. We'll finish this conversation later. Put on a smile. Let's just pretend like we like each other for a second, right? Or, or maybe, come on, you ever done this before? I know, like, you're about to answer the phone, and you're screaming at your kids because they're fighting, and they're throwing stuff at each other, and you're like, so help me God. Like, you better shut your mouth when I answer this phone because when I answer this phone, if they hear your voice in the background, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, this is Pastor Matt. And you could just feel like, uh-huh, you were just yelling at your kids. I know you were. I could feel it through the phone. And, uh, you know, we've had those moments in our life that we've kind of walked in. And, and maybe that's what I would title my message today. If I was to give it a title, it would just simply uh, be this. Something feels off. Something feels off. That we can find ourselves in life walking in our Christian faith, right, doing the right things ex on the external, looking like it's all together. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, something feels off. In Haggai chapter 2, we find in verse 10, the prophet of God coming to the nation of Israel. This is his third message to the nation of Israel. Pastor Phil has been speaking over the last couple of weeks, looking at the first couple of things that he had. But in Haggai chapter 2, verse 10, it reads, starts like this. It says, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now, this is God talking. He says, ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat 
in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food. Does it become consecrated? Does it become holy is what he's asking. The priest answered, well, no. Right? Pretty simple answer there. Pretty easy. And then Haggai said, well, if a person defiled by contact with the dead body, now he's talking about the ceremonial law of uncleanliness. This is in the Old Testament many times. If you were, if you were considered clean, you were considered uh, someone who was holy. And if you touched someone who was dead, you touched a dead body, uh, you were then considered unclean yourself. And, and then everything you touched was then considered unclean. So here's kind of the context that he's asking. He says, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied. It, but it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and the nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, whatever they, whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another for the Lord's temple. Well, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who is your son, and he came to this earth, Lord, and he died on the cross for our sins. God, so we can have relationship with you. It's because of his blood that was shed, his sacrifice, so we can come into your presence today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes, our, our ears, our hearts, our minds for what it is you have to say to us today, God, let us leave different than how we were when we walked in, than how we were when we clicked on to join this morning, God, in our living room. God, I pray, Lord, that you will just speak to us. God, challenge and change us in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought of this in life and uh, about, like, the wants that we have, the, the things that we desire to have. There's a story uh, in history, it's a story of myth, uh, King Midas story of a, of a real king, but this particular story about him is Smith. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase. Anybody ever heard uh, touch the, or trust the Midas touch, right? You ever heard, like it's a commercial, right, the Midas touch. It actually comes from, um, it actually comes from this particular story, this particular myth. And, and really the Midas touch is, is supposed to represent someone who has a good fortune or brings good luck. But King Midas was a real man. A real king, again, this story was a myth on him, but, but the story goes on that one day in history, King Midas had, he, he was a very uh, wealthy man, but, he, but he's very greedy, he wanted more. And the story goes that he has this wish of, of one day, he says, I wish that everything I would touch would become gold, because he wanted more, he wanted, he desired to have more. And, and so sure enough, his wish came true, and the next morning he wakes up, and, and he rolls over, and, and he touches the, the table by his bed, and boom, it becomes gold, and he's like, oh, snap, this is legit. And, and so he gets up out of bed, and then he goes from the table, and he goes over, and he touches something else in his bedroom, and boom, it's gold. He goes, touches the chair, boom, it's gold. And then he begins to run all through his palace, touching everything he can, watching everything turn to gold, one thing after another, and, and he finds himself running all over the castle, and, and all over the kitchen. Kingdom and he's excited, but now he's also wore out because he just runs around everything uh, that he can touch to turn it into gold. And so he finally sits down to kind of catch his breath, and he sees this rose on the table, and he's like, "Man, this would be a great time to just you know smell this rose." And as he goes up to and he grabs the rose, what happens? Turns to gold, and he's like, "Okay, well I cannot." touch the, the, this rose, I, I guess I just got to observe the fragrance from afar without touching it. But, but so then after touching the rose without even thinking, he's like, I'm pretty hungry. And he goes to grab this grape and put it in his mouth, but he grabs the grape and it turns into 
gold. And he's like, okay, uh, I cannot eat anything that I'm touching. So how am I going to begin to eat? And then he does it with a, gla- a, a slice of bread and a glass of water, and it turns into gold, right? And so, so now he finds himself frustrated and, and really exhausted, and suddenly this sense of fear overwhelms him, and tears fill his eyes. And, 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 and at that same moment, his daughter walks into the room, and just out of sheer frustration and exhaustion, he goes to grab his daughter to give her a hug, and she turns into gold, right? And so now all of a sudden, he finds out that the very thing he wanted is not really the very thing that he needed anymore in life. The story goes on to say that then he takes his wish back and, and, and he goes to sleep and he comes back the next morning and, and now he's back to normal. But, but I think of that story, the story of King Midas who was granted his ultimate wish and everything that he touched would be turned to gold. And I think it shows us how easy it is in life to want the wrong things. How easy it is to have our wants that even might start out in good intentions and I wonder that question for us this morning is just simply that, what, what do you, and it's a rhetorical question, just think about it, what do you want in life? Well, what is it that you find yourself wanting? And I don't mean like think of the churchy things, right, that you would probably give me the answer if we was to really talk. I mean, what is it really that, that you desire? What is it that you want? What is it that you find yourself chasing? And I think that question requires careful thought. It was like the six-year-old who was getting ready for a birthday party, and, and, and when he was, he was asked, you know, as people was beginning to buy him presents, and, and, and this is one day as you get older, this is kind of how your philosophy changes in life, and, and, and they begin to ask the six-year-old, well, what, what, is it, what is it that you need for your birthday? And the six-year-old, his reply to all of them firmly was, I don't want to need, I want to want, like I want the good stuff in life, don't give me what I need. Give me what I want. And if we're, not, if we're honest with ourselves and if we're not careful, you and I can do the same things in our own life. There's a lot of things in life that we want, but is it what we need? A lot of things that we desire, a lot of things that we pursue, but, but is it what we need? And really, that's, what, that's really all God cares about, right? It's not giving us what we want. It's, he's giving us what we Need. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, 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 it's not, it stretches us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's not even really anything I knew that I needed. But God's desire, again, is to not make us comfortable, but it's to grow us into the man and into the woman that, that God has created us to be. It's to be the dad. It's to be the mom. It's to be the student, right? It's to be that husband. It's to be that wife. And oftentimes he'll do it in a way not to give me what I want, but to give me what I need. And we look back to our text this morning, we see this nation of Israel. And I think you and I can find ourselves relating to them some. And listen, our prayer for this series, for this month, is as we've been talking as, as a staff and as a team, as I've been preparing for, for this message, even for my own life. Listen, my prayer is, is that for you and I this morning, that, that you and I would come to a place in our life that, that what we want more than anything is God's blessing. Listen, that what we want more than anything is God's hand on our life. Because I've come to understand, if I've got God's blessing, oh, I've got enough. If I've got his hand on me, I've got enough. That it doesn't matter what I face, that I can be rich, I can be poor. I can be facing sunshine and rainbows. I can be facing storms and trials and tribulations. I can be facing things that I feel like I can handle. I can be facing things that I don't even have an answer for. But as long as my hand, as long as my life has his hand upon me, as long as I know God's blessings are with me, as long as I know that he is in control, it doesn't matter what 
I face, I know I can get through it. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. That, it, that you and I know that if we got God's blessing on our life, listen, that you and I have something that the world cannot take. The world cannot give it away. That if you and I have God's blessing on our life, there's no hell, there's no devil in hell that can stop what it is that he has for us to do. That if you and I have God's blessing in our life, there's no circumstance, there's no situation that can discourage me. If I've got God's blessing in my life, oh, I can do a lot of great things. But then on the flip side, oh, on the other hand, if I lack God's blessings, oh, I find myself struggling. If I, if I lack God's favor, if I lack God's hand, so Psalms 106 and 15 says it like this, that if we lack God's blessing, I'm going to give you the clip note version, that you may get what you think will satisfy you, but ultimately you will have leanness in your soul. Oh, I have it all. I have what I think I want. I have what I want, but I don't have what I need. The prophet Haggai, he brings this message in chapter 2. If I can take you back to our text. We know again, if you've missed the past few weeks, I'll catch you up. We know that in Haggai chapter 2, what has been happening, the, the nation of Israel has, has left this land. They've left, they've left the, the comfort and the, and the familiar circumstances of Persia, and now they have returned to the promised land. And as they return to the promised land, we, we, we again, we know that Haggai is talking not to unchurched or, or, or people that are not a people of God. We know he's talking to the nation of Israel, the people of God. So, so we know these, these are, are God's people that he's referring to. These are believers, if, if you will. And, and so they find themselves returning to the promised land, and we see their commitment to the Lord because one of the first things they do when they get back is to begin to rebuild the altar and to begin to rebuild the temple. But, but then they face some opposition. Go read Haggai this week, and, and then, then they face some difficulties. And so they kind of shut down the altar and the, and the temple, but they go about building their own own lives and they build their own houses and they're advancing their own selves, right? And they're not advancing the kingdom anymore. So the prophet Haggai comes to him and says, yo, like, like you're missing out on what's, what's supposed to be important. You're building all this stuff for yourself and yet here the altar and, and the temple lays in ruins and so, so they get back to work and so it, it's Haggai, it's his, it's his first message and this third message, that's what Haggai chapter 2 is today that we're going to read that are similar, that are similar in nature. It's a rebuke and an exhortation. And the first message that, that he comes to, Pastor Phil just said it a couple weeks ago, and the first message that he brought to the nation of Israel was simply just seek God's kingdom, not their own priorities. Can we see it in Matthew 6.33 that if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added to us, right? And it's this principle in our life that we see, and so they get busy about the, the business of God. And so you would think like, okay, they're good, but yet he comes in this third message, and he talks to him again. He's going to talk to us today. And he, and he shows that, listen, not only should you seek first God's kingdom, but you've got to do it with a pure heart. Because if you don't do it with a pure heart, something seems a little off. That I can have the right activity on the external things and still lack the right motive on the internal thing. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today is simply what does it look like when our hands are busy, but our heart is wrong. Well, what does it look like when, when we're doing all the right stuff? Again, action. 
People have actually, you're here, you're sitting in the seat today. I mean, you, you have done more than what most people ha- have done today. You are here, you, you are watching, you are listening, you, you are taking notes. But, but what happens when we're doing all of the right things and yet something's still not right on the inside? I got chapter, in this particular chapter, in his third message, he, this is God calling his people out of complacency and apathy and commanding their obedience. And watch, and he's going to command our obedience, their obedience. He's commanding their obedience, not in the effort that they are doing, because what are they doing? They're building the temple. They're building the altar. So he, he's commanding their obedience, and not in just the effort that they are, pertaining, are partaking in, but it's in the condition of their heart. So write this down. I, I got to get you through the text this morning. So write this down as we just begin to kind of flesh this out. Number one, true obedience is more than just the right actions. True obedience is more than just the right actions. If you and I, as a Christ follower, as we're surrendering our life to him, as we're taking this, this word of action this month, as we're walking out and we're moving in our workplace, in our families, in our, on our campuses, at our school, like what does it look like to be obedient? A lot of times we say, well, it's doing the right stuff. And all that's important, but it's more than just that because true obedience, write it down number two, true obedience involves more than just our hands. Because this is what I've come to learn. I told the first service, I'll talk to you about me today so you don't feel like I'm in your driveway. I'm going to be in my driveway. So this is what I've come to learn uh, in my own life is, is I, can, I can have movement in my life and still be miserable. Now, maybe like two or three of you might get this, and, and you're going to be real with me today. And for the rest of you, just save it for somebody else that needs to hear it, okay? Uh, we see it all the time. We see people that are more busy now than they've ever been, and they're more empty than now they've ever been. Oh, there's a lot of movement, a lot of activity, a lot of things on our calendar, a lot of, and listen, it can even be good things. You can go to church, you can never miss a service, you can get in a small group, you can get on a serving team, it can even be good things, but we can find ourselves, we can have movement and still be miserable. Why? Because I can have the wrong attitude even while I'm doing the right actions. I, I can do the right things externally. And still because I don't have the right attitude, I, I, I'm reminded of like little Johnny in class, the story of little Johnny. He's in second grade, and, and little Johnny is kind of like one of those very uh, am, ambitious and, and very uh, just wiry, high-functioning kids, right? And so he's doing in class, he's standing in, sitting in class in second grade, and, and he stands up because he wants to stand up and do his homework. And the teacher looks at little Johnny. She says, little Johnny, I need you to sit down. Everybody in class is sitting down, doing the work. You need to sit down and do your work. And little Johnny's like, but I want to stand up and do my work. She goes, we don't stand up in class and do our work. We sit down and we do our work. So she says, little Johnny, I need you to sit down. He's like, I'm not sitting down. Teacher, she goes, uh, little Johnny, you need to sit down. He goes, I want to stand up. She goes, no, but you need to, everyone is sitting down. You need to, she goes, this is the last time I'm telling you. Uh, and if you don't sit down, I'm going to come over to you. This is before, like, this is when you can put your hands on kids, right? And so she says, I'm going to come over to you. And uh, she goes, I'm going to make you sit down. So she says, little Johnny, would you please sit down and do your homework? And he said, no, ma'am, I'm going to stand up and do my homework. And so she went over to him and she put both of her hands on his shoulders and she pressed him down into the seat till he was sitting down and she held him there for a few minutes and she said, see, now you're sitting down and you're doing your work. And he said, ma'am, I hate to, I hate to uh, be, you know, argue a little bit more. He goes, but I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So you can't, you can't make me sit down. And listen, it's the same way. <laughs> it's the same way in our own walk with Christ. That we have the right actions, 
but our attitude is off. And this is what I know. Watch. See, this is why we get it twisted. I'm going to help you today, right? We're going, we're going to go into spiritual therapy together. I'm going to help you today that even, I, even when I'm doing the right actions and, and my attitude is off, watch. I, I don't really catch it because this is, what, this is what happens. The penalty will not be lack of movement. Stay with me. The penalty is I don't accomplish things. The penalty is um, I don't run around my kids to sporting events, and I do that. The penalty is that, that I don't check things off my calendar and accomplish them. The penalty is that I don't, it's not that I stay home from church, but I still go to church and I check the box. Watch, the penalty is not a lack of movement. You know what it is? It's a lack of fulfillment. Like you ever had those days where you did a lot of stuff and you went home and you're like, I don't even know what I did today. Come on, anybody ever had those? My, I'll go home sometimes my, and my wife, Leslie, would be like, well, how was your day today? And I'm like, I don't even know what I accomplished. And I know I accomplished things. I know there was boxes that I checked. But, be, but because I had a lot of activity and things was, was not right in my heart or because something was going on, I found. And so what, what will happen? It's not a lot. Of, it's, it, won't, it won't give me a lack of success, but it will give me a, lot, a lack of satisfaction. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, there's activity happening. And listen, we, again, we know, we know some people that are, that are, are miserable doing great things. Their, their life is full of activity, and it's even good stuff. It's not bad stuff. Full of great activities, and yet they find themselves lacking fulfillment. Yes, he wants our hands. Hear me this morning. Oh, does, does God want our hands? Does God want us serving? Does God want us using our gifts and talents? Yes, that's why we're doing what we're doing this month. We want to get you connected. We want to get you serving. We want to, that's why we bring in Josiah White's foundation so you can hear about the amazing opportunities because there's connection. Like we want to get you active. We want to get you moving in the kingdom of God. But listen, God wants our hands, but he's most importantly, he wants our hearts. And it's this word that we don't, we don't hear much about it anymore. It's this word that we don't even like to talk about. It's this word holiness. Holiness, purity, purity. Not just, and listen, because this, this is what holiness gets a bad rap for. It's in the church world, we like to limit holiness on just the exterior. Well, if you look a certain way, if you dress a certain way, if you talk a certain way, if you act a certain way, if you do certain things, if you don't do certain things, oh, you are holy. No, no, that's not what holiness is. Holiness is purity. It's a purification. It's not just something that happens on the outside, but it's something that happens on the inside. I know people that can look very holy on the outside, but if you was able to peel back the layers of their heart and see what's on the inside, it's one of the most nastiest things you've ever seen. It's holiness. It's this, it's this word that, 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 that Haggai is challenging the nation of Israel and even, even, even us this morning. It's this thing. And, and, and so we find ourselves in this text, theologians and historians and even archaeological archaeologists Archaeology will, will point to some evidence that, that we know that this is roughly December 18th, 520 B.C. when this is happening. It's exactly three months after the people of Israel have started rebuilding the temple. Two months after Haggai's second sermon, when he encouraged them to work, so they're working. And, and, he, and he begins this third message, go back to verse 12, with this question. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? He's saying if someone carries holy things, holy meat, things that are preserved for holiness, and, and, it touches, and it touches other things, does those other things become holy? And the priest said, well, no, that's not how that works. And then he goes on to ask, well, if you touch someone who is dead and 
and unclean when you touch other things does that is that now considered dead and unclean they're like yes that's how that works that's a ceremonial law of the old testament and, and i want you this is what he's showing us i want you to write this down that that holiness is not contagious but corruption is Watch. He's going to talk about this, not, not this, not this, not your feet, not all of this stuff we try to say it is. He's going to go inside, right? He's, oh, man, I didn't even like preparing this message. I'm just going to be honest with you because the Holy Spirit was working on me. It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like health and disease. Let me just break it down for you really plain. Kind of like health and disease. If you was to walk in and you had the flu and I did not, if I coughed on you, would that make you well? Come on, talk to me. I, I know we're not like dermologists in this room, but it's pretty common sense, right? And like if you had the flu, you were sick, I was well. Germologist, is that a word, Chris? We made it a word. If, 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 if I'm well, if I cough on you, does it make you well? All right? So, but if you've got the flu, you're sick, I do not, I'm healthy, right? I have no flu. If you cough on me, the chances of me getting sick, pretty high, right? That, that's what he's showing to us in this illustration, is that, again, we all know that it's much easier to get sick than it is to stay healthy, right? I always laugh. Like, it cracks me up. We have a lot of new young parents in the church. And, like, like Lindsay, my sister-in-law, our worship leader, many people don't know that, but Lindsay is, is the worship leader is my sister-in-law, my wife's youngest sister. And she's got two little kids. And, you know, she's going through this stage. And I, I ain't going to lie, y'all. Pray for my heart. I laugh at people with small kids because I remember, come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. If you've got older kids, I remember that phase of life where you're like, dear God, there is a plague in my house for months and no one is healthy. Just wait, Caleb. When you get your second child, it's going to get worse. And, and like, like it's like because kids, they touch everything, and they go to school, and they're around other people, and they touch stuff that's nasty. And then one person gets sick, and then the other person gets sick, and then the other person gets sick, right? And then I get sick, and God knows, men, when we're sick, like, Lord Jesus, get the ER room ready. If I got a head cold, like, somebody just prepare. Every, like, wife, please come wait on me hand and foot. And she's like, you got a head cold. I'm like, you don't understand what kind of pain. I'm in. She's like, I pushed out three kids. I'm like, it's nothing like a head cold, though. It's a lot worse. Like, you don't understand. Come on, man. You, ladies, you can say amen. Man, you know, I ain't, you know I ain't lying. That's how we are when we get sick. And then our wives get sick, and, and we leave them with the kids. Like, you got this, baby. You got this. You're a champ. I'll be at the office. You let me know. Right? It's just this, it's just this season. Oh, I just told him myself, didn't I? It's this season, right, that, that everybody seems to just get sick all the time. And we can do everything we can. We can have all of this careful effort and attention attention to avoid catching whatever is going around, but guess what? It still goes around. And that's what he's saying. Watch this. So he is saying, get watch. He's saying sin is just like that in our life. Now I know you're like, but Pastor Matt, we are, like, we're Christians here. Like I'm at church today and like you're talking about sin in my life. Oh yeah, that's what he's talking about to the people of God. It's because this is what we'll often do. We think that, um, that there's like these, this holy, there's, a, there's these holiness antibodies that we can get if we just go hang around holy people. I get these holiness antibodies and nothing will ever harm me again and no sickness will ever, no sin can ever creep in again. And, and, and so what do we do? We get ourselves in these holy huddles and, 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 and we think like, well, man, if I just surround myself with good Christian people, then I'm never going to have a temptation. I'm never going to have a trial. The enemy will leave me alone. Like God will put me in this protective bubble. My family will never go through things. My kids will never act crazy, right? And we know good and well, guess what? That's not how it works. And we think we can pick up these holiness antibodies just by hanging around holy people. But I do know this, and I'll just use it for the sake of conversation today, that, that even though 
if I hang around holy people, I don't get holy antibodies. I do know this, that um, if, I, if I hang around people with a sinful attitude or a sinful nature or a sinful thought process or an unbiblical worldview or whatever it may be, if, th- if those become my people by hanging around those people, those sin viruses can easily quit, uh, creep in into my life. Oh, look at the American church today. The inability to have the biblical worldview. 4% of Christians now have a biblical worldview. 4% of people who call themselves a Christ follower believe actually everything in this book. Why? Because they've allowed things of the world and the culture to, see, to sink in. And listen, we can, think that, and, and we can think that if you hang out with church buildings, you know, around the God crowd, then surely some stuff will rub off. We can also tend to think that if we hang out with godless people, that, that without any adverse effect in our house, and, and, and that without any adverse effect in our life, nothing will happen. Can I tell you? you both are wrong just surrounding myself with godly people this is what he's showing us does not make us holy however if we're not careful corruption can easily sneak in if we allow it to and the people in this generation in Haggai's generation this is the trouble they've got themselves into they thought because they were rebuilding the temple they thought because their their hands were literally touching holy things as they was building the temple well then of course I'm holy I mean, I'm doing good stuff, Pastor Matt. I mean, I'm, I'm here at church today. Clearly, I got it all together. My, my marriage is totally fine. My kids will never act crazy because I am here in church. And watch, they, they thought that holiness could be caught by being around holy things or holy people. Come on, does it sound familiar? And holiness doesn't work that way. I, I wrote it down like this. Jot this down. I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but jot it down if it's not. In other words, I say it like this. It doesn't matter what kind of religious activity you engage in. If your heart is not right, your impure heart contaminates everything it touches. Let me say that again. It it doesn't matter what kind of religious activity you engage in. If your heart is not right, your impure heart contaminates everything it touches. You know why? That's, I don't have this in my notes, but maybe this is for you. That's why I think worship in a church setting is so important. I see some of you. You sneak in late. It's all right. I love you. But you come in late because you're like, I'm just going to get there for the message, right, as long as I'm there for the message. There's something that happens in worship. Listen, we come in from a world that is dark, that is evil. We come in discouraged. We come in distraught. We come in facing difficulties and situations. And there's something that happens to us when we get and we begin to engage. David said it like this. He said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm getting my heart right first. Before I even sit at the table to get what the word that the Lord has, i got to get my heart right for it. So I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to enter his courts with praise. He's, what is he saying? He says, I come to a place in my life where i got to check myself. Because if I'm not careful, because my heart has not been purified, because I have not checked my heart, I can come sit down in a message and I'm still distracted by everything going on in life. Checking my messages, checking my emails. Oh, man, what about this meeting this week? Oh, man, i got to get my kid here. Come on, you ever, I've been there before. I'm looking at my calendar, and I can't even sit down at the dinner. I don't know who that's for. I didn't say that in the first message. But I can't even sit down at the dinner table of God because I'm so distracted. My heart is unclean, and my heart is impure that I can't even receive what he has for me. He's showing us, watch, again, the people of God, I'm going to move on. I know, I know you don't like it, but I'm going to move on in a minute. He says, he says the people of God, watch, they're working, they're doing the right stuff. They're building the temple, 
They're building the altar, but because their hearts are wrong, everything they're touching is becoming unclean. See, Haggai's trying to show us this morning, he's wanting us to realize that when, when, it, when it comes to our lives, and this is, this is a sad part, and we won't stay here, but i got to start here for you, that when it comes to our lives, listen, guess what? Here, here's, the, here's the good news, and here's the bad news, is we only have the power to mess it up more. <laughs> Isn't that a current scene? Should I just pray right now and let us go home? Like, good luck, jack your life up more, a little bit more, we'll see you back next week. That's what we have the power to do. On my best day, when I get it right the most, I'm still just messing my life up. On my best day, when I feel like I've been the best dad I possibly can, guess what? I'm still getting it wrong. And if we stop there, that would be discouraging. If we, if we stop there, that's what would be the depressing part. And, and, and again, that's the illumination part. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to show us this morning. Because again, what, what is the only thing that covers unholy living? We know it's the grace and mercy of God. We know it's his ability to give us what we don't deserve, his ability to, to give us the things that we, should, that we should not have. He still gives them to us. That's his grace and his mercy, his grace at work in us to give us the power and the ability to carry out what he has called us to do. And thank God for the grace. Thank God he doesn't rely on me to fix myself. Thank God on the grace and mercy that I get through the cross of Jesus Christ. That he says, man, if I left it up to you, you would just mess it up even more. But I'm going to come right to you, and I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to give you what you need. And so we find ourselves. Getting, getting overwhelmed sometimes because we're like, but how, how, how do I just keep messing it up? And God says, you keep messing it up because you're doing it on your own power. But if you allow me to work in you, if you allow me to change you from the inside out, not from the outside in, that's where the life change happens. That's where the heart change happens. That's where the fruit comes from. And he doesn't just stop there, right? He, so he goes on to verse 15. Watch. He says, now give careful thought. Again, this is the Lord talking to the nation of Israel. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. Consider how they were. Consider how they looked. Consider what your life looked like. Consider the condition of your heart. Consider where you were. When, when, every, when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, they were only 10 when anyone wanted went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. Do you see what he's doing? He's showing, again, the lack that we have if we do everything in our own power. He says, I struck, now listen, this is God talking, verse 17. I struck all of the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hell, yet you did not return to me. The, the nation of Israel is, is at work doing what God told them to do. They're building the temple. They're, they're building the altar. But, but watch, write it down. God shows them, God will not bless a cause no matter how great unless the people involved in it are holy. Unless the people involved in it are pure. Unless whatever it is that you're chasing, you're chasing it with a good heart. Again, the people of God on the external things, they were obeying what he said. Again, go read Haggai chapter 1 this week. And, 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 and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, listen, you're building your houses and, and the temple lays in ruin. The altar lays in ruin. So you got to get busy. you got to get to work. And so they're like, cool. So they start working. They start building the temple. Right? There's been lack in their life. There's been famine. They're like, all right, cool. We're going to lay some stones. We're going to lay the foundation. So externally, they're doing the, the, the right things, but internally, their hearts was off. And so watch this. So they're still not experiencing the blessings of God. What happened? 
even when they were taking the right actions, even when they were doing the right things, their economy was still in ruins. Their agricultural economy was in ruins. They still had no peace. They were still disgruntled. They were still angry. They were still hungry. All of this was happening. And watch this. God said, I did it. Well, hold up, Pastor Matt. Like, I mean, my God would never, ever, ever do something bad to me. My, my God would never cause things to happen in my life. My God would, I mean, God is just so loving and he's so gracious and he's so merciful. Oh, yes, he is. I believe in that 1,000%. But he's also a God. I remember I preached a message last year. You didn't like it, but, but I preached it anyways. And it was, about, it was about the joys of discipline, how we have to learn how to like discipline. Come on, y'all know with kids, kids don't like discipline. But as a parent, I discipline them, what, not to punish them, not to, not to say like, oh, I'm the dad and I, or I'm the mom and you have to listen to me and I'm in control. It's not to do none of that, what? It's to bring them back to the ways and it's to shape them and to mold them in the ways that we're trying to grow them as individuals, right? That's why we discipline. If you don't discipline and you just punish, you're not going to get the end result that you want. But if you discipline your child, that's a parent lesson for you. If you discipline that young man, that young woman. It grows them into the way they want them to be. And so this is what God, look, God says, he says, I'm the one, I'm the one that did that. But because you were stubborn, hello, come on, we know what that's all about. Because you did not repent, because you did not turn away, you just kept doing the right things and, and doing all the stuff externally, and you did not return to me. Again, the people of Israel were doing the right things, but for the wrong reason. Because, again, they, they got to work. They said, listen, guys, this ain't working. We're, it's famine, and, and things aren't going good, and, and we got sidetracked, and, and we're building our house. So you know what? Okay, the, we, we, we know what we got to do. We got to get back to work, and if we get back to work, the, the, blessing, the, wor the blessings of God will come. So watch. They, they were working not as an act of worship. They was working just to get God's blessings. They were working not as an act of a relationship or out of love to, to God. They were working just to, just to get the blessings, just to get the things to turn around. Something had happened to their hearts. Again, in chapter 1, Haggai tells them, right, hey, listen, the, the reason bad things are happening is because you haven't rebuilt the temple. You're not rebuilding the temple. You're not rebuilding the altar. This is why the economic turmoil is going on. And they're like, oh, okay, duh. Well, let's kind of flip the script here. Let's get to work. And so now here they are really rebuilding the temple, and things still haven't turned around. You, you've probably heard this saying before. You can finish it if you know it. Talk is, come on, say it with me. Talk is... Right, we've heard that before. Talk is cheap. Like, people just run their mouth, talk is cheap. And, and then a lot of times you'll hear somebody follow it up with something like this. I come from, I'm a show me kind of person. Show me what you want to do. Show me how you want to be. Show me, right? I'm going to take it a step further because I do think talk is cheap. But you, you know what I've also discovered in life? Um, actions are deceiving. Right? Talk, talk is cheap, but actions are deceiving. Because I can still do the right thing. And, and still have the wrong heart um, and not get the result I was wanting. Like, have you ever had this happen, parents? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, your kid comes in out of nowhere in the room, and they'll say something like this, Mom, Dad, um, hey, uh, what is it you need me to do? I, I just want to serve you today. I don't know if you need me to vacuum. You need me to do dishes. 
Um, you know what? You know what? I'm just going to go head outside. I'm going to mow the yard for you. And what is it that I can do for you today, Mom? I know you're stressed out. Dad, I could tell you've been busy at work. And I'm just here as your son. I'm here as, you know, I just want to serve you. I just want to be a part of your life. And immediately, what happened? Come on, parents. You know, you're like, what do you want? Where do you want to go? How much is it going to cost? Who are you going to be with? How long are you staying out? Right? Look, and, and this is what, listen, we're guilty of it too. Because they will do the right things but with the wrong motives and we can see right through it. And they do it just because they want the end result, right? Versus like as a spouse. And there's been moments my kids will still do it. That I, I can tell a difference that, that they won't even draw attention to it. And this is how I know it's different. It's because they will go serve. They'll go do their chores. They'll go do whatever it is they do. And they don't draw attention to it. And anytime they draw attention to it, I know your motives are wrong. Oh, that's a good life lesson. Even with the Lord, right? That we got to take it that right picture and put it on Instagram. Ooh, serving the hungry today. Hello. Right? And again, nothing wrong with that. But we got to post it. We got we to do something because we want to draw attention to it. And I often wonder when I see those photos, and again, nothing, we, we post photos and, and I do that as well. But, but I wonder too though sometimes, or, or you look at married people and, and, and you might know them really well and you know, man, they're going through some things and they'll post it, oh, love of my life, have been married for five years, so great. And you're like, y'all are going through hell right now and you're trying to make it look like, right? Right? Because their intentions are off. Just because they want to get that right result. Just because they want to get that like, they, that comment, oh, my God, you're so adorable. Oh, my God, I can't believe you went and fed the hungry. You're so amazing, right? And, again, nothing went wrong with that stuff. I love to celebrate things in life. And, and again, I know we live in a social media age where we do that, so, so nothing wrong with that. But, but I wonder how oftentimes we find ourselves on the outside, the external things look so good, but yet on the inside it's so far off. This wasn't just a mere coincidence for them. Again, I told you, matter of fact, the Lord takes credit for it. He says, man, listen, I'm trying to get your attention. And we can find ourselves in the same boat, again, on this treadmill of life. We don't get what God is trying to teach us. We don't get that he's trying to bring us back. And, and, and so what do we do? We just run harder and we go nowhere. We just put on more activities. We, we fill our calendar with more events. We take our kids to another sporting event. Again, I, I do those things. I'm not saying against that, but we find ourselves just wearing ourselves out. And listen, do I believe God wants to bless us 1,000%? Do, do I believe God is full of grace and mercy 1,000%? I, I think God wants his people to be some of the most successful, blessed people ever. Because so, we can be a light and we can be sought to this earth. We can see that, man, when you put God in control of your life, this is what happens. So, so yes, I believe he wants to bless your business. I believe he wants to bless your family, your marriage, your kids, all of those things. But hear me this morning. God will never give you a life and create a situation that you and I are so comfortable in that we no longer need him in. He'll never make things on the external look so good if the internal is not right because that's what he's about. We know you and I, again, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 15 and 58 says that without God, that all we do is we labor in vain. So God is telling his people, he's telling us today, listen, he says, listen, I'm the only one that brings addition into your life. I'm trying to show you I'm the only one that really brings fulfillment in your life. It's not religious activity. It's not putting all the things together on the outside while ignoring the condition of your heart on the inside. He says it's not just about getting on this treadmill of life and running, this treadmill of religious activity and running as fast as you can and never getting anywhere. 
It's not about putting your life above me and getting nowhere. And so, so he goes on, right? And if we stopped right there again, it would be discouraging. Here's Haggai. He's challenged them for their motives. Their motives, he, he's challenged them on their spiritual condition, their sinful condition, that I believe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us today and pointing things out. And maybe just like I've been talking to you today, Haggai has just been stepping on the toes, right, of the nation of Israel. I mean, he's right in their driveway. And, and if he stopped there and said, all right, cool, uh, y'all try to figure this out and walked away, it would be pretty discouraging. But I love in verse 18, he says, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there any... Is there yet any seed left in the barn until now the vine and the big tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit? Again, God's trying to show them. He says, listen, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm the one in control. I'm the one that can satisfy. I'm the one that can multiply. I'm the one that can, that can bring in the harvest. And watch. And he doesn't remind them again, listen, you've missed it. You've got it wrong. So, so you're about to go through it again. Watch what God says. He says, from this day on, I will bless you. He's pointed out the... The lack of holiness. He's pointed out the things going on in their heart. And he says, from this day on, because something shifts, write it down, letter C. Holiness that pleases God must be inward, not just outward. God sees this genuine evidence of repentance among the people. And therefore, he looks at them and he says, from this day on, I will bless you. And what I love is this blessing that accompanies their obedience. Again, not external obedience because nothing has changed. They're still working just like they were earlier. Nothing has changed on the external things. They're still acting. They still have action in their life. They're building the temple and the altar. God's blessings would accompany their obedience and it's the obedience of now their heart. Something was a little off earlier, but, but now their heart has come into alignment with now their actions. And it's this beautiful picture, I think, of the gospel here. And this is what God does to us, and this is really what we, where oftentimes we find ourselves where the Holy Spirit comes and, and God shows us our poverty and God shows us um, our lack and God shows us our inability to get there and, and shows us the areas that we're missing. It shows us the sin in our own lives of the, of the moments that we're missing the mark, the moments that we're not fulfilling what he has called us to do. But he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just say, listen, you tried and you didn't get it. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. No, he, he picks us up, he dusts us off, and, and he begins to raise us up again. Romans 6.23 says it like this, that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, what, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2 says that you are dead and your trespasses and sin. We can find ourselves being active. We can find ourselves doing all the right things and find ourselves being dead in our sin, find ourselves being dead in the lack. Oh, but I love, Ephesians doesn't just stop there and said we were dead in our sins, but God shows up again. But God reaches down in his love and mercy. But God says, I'm not done with you, Matt. But God says, I'm going to pick you up and dust you off. But God says, I'm still going to mold your heart. But God says, I'm here to work with you. Why? Because he doesn't leave us right where we are. Because he's not just concerned with our activity. He's concerned with our hearts. He's not just concerned if we're doing the right stuff. He's concerned our are our motives pure? It's this picture of the grace of God. Oh, what can, 
What can compare to my depravity? Nothing. What can compare to how bad I can mess up? Nothing. What can compare to God's grace in my life? <laughs> Nothing. What, what can compare to God's ability and willingness to love me in spite of those things? Nothing. What can compare to how God, even though on the inside I get things wrong, he loves me enough to come and, be, and, and begin to work with me? See, the good news is that his grace is always greater than our sin. Come on, Lindsay. And, and a lot of times we will, we will look, right? This is what we do. Come on, this is the church people that he's talking to. A lot of times we will look at the outward activity and we'll say, but God, look at what I'm doing for you. God, I'm on the worship team. I'm singing a song. God, 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 I'm serving on the welcome team. I welcome people as they walk in. I open the doors. God, I've, you know what? I heard, heard them talk about Josiah's wife. I'm going to go right after the table after service. And, man, I'm going to sign up. And that's a great thing. You should do that. We need good Christian foster families. I love this network that we're starting. So, God, I'm going to go sign up. And, God, look at everything that I'm doing for you. I'm, I'm going to serve in kids' ministry. I'm going to serve in the nursery. Oh, God, I'm doing all of this. And we get so caught up on the external. And those things are good. Those things are, are great to do. But, but are our hearts clean? Are our hearts pure? Are, are we doing it out of necessity? Or are we doing it out of love? Are we moving in our lives? Do we have action because we know that's the thing we should be doing in order to get God's blessings? Or are we doing it because we love him so much in spite of his blessings? Oh, oh, listen, we're going to face storms. We're going to face trials. Again, being a Christ follower, I know we say it a lot around here, doesn't mean that, that God puts you in a bubble and makes everything sunshine and rainbows all the time. But are you, are you willing that in spite of those things? Because it's not just enough. This is what he's showing the nation of Israel. It's not just enough to build the temple. It's not just enough to build the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm glad I'm in a church that loves building the kingdom of God. I'm glad I'm in a church that, that has a heart to reach communities to reach our students, to reach our kids, to reach family. Man, I'm telling you right now, I know we say this, but y'all don't even understand how, how great this church is. And it, I consider it an honor to be able to be on staff at this church. And, and so it's not even that I know we don't think that way, because I know we do and we believe that way, but, but it's not just enough. Hear me this morning, it's not just enough to serve. It's not just enough to get in a small group. It's not just enough to serve his kingdom and to build his kingdom, but we've got to do it with a pure heart that pleases him. Not because Pastor Matt said, not because Pastor Phil or the staff or the worship pastor, but because, man, that's my heart. So, so, so this week, I want you to go, and this morning, we're going to pray in a, in a few moments. We're going to spend some time in letting the Holy Spirit work right here in this room. But, but as you go this week, I wrote down some things for you to reflect. Maybe as you have your own quiet time, your own personal devotion time. Here's some questions I wrote down, and I gave some scriptures for you to read with it. Do I spend frequent time alone before God in the Word and in prayer? Do, do I immediately confess any known sin? Pastor, man, I'm a Christian. I don't have no sin. Really? Thought? Maybe the way you handled a situation, maybe the way you talked to someone, maybe the way you prejudged someone when they walked in to your business. 
Do I immediately confess any known sin and turn from it in genuine repentance without blaming or excuses? Well, you don't understand. I mean, you don't know how they, how they talk to me. I had to come at them really strong, Pastor Matt. And if I want to talk to them the way they talk to me, they probably wouldn't have backed down. You don't understand that person when I felt, you know, they kind of reminded me of somebody else who hurt me in my life. And so I kind of had to, you know, I was pretty judgmental. I know, no, 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 no. Do you confess sin without blaming or excuses? Do I build into my life protection and accountability in order not to make any provision for the sins that so easily entangle me? That's why we talk so much about small groups. That's why we want to push you. Listen, I know it's uncomfortable for some of you. I know some of you are comfortable sitting in your seat. But that's why we, we constantly encourage you and push you and want you to get people around you because you need protection. You need accountability around you. You need people that can say, Matt, that attitude you right have right now, it's not, it's not of God. Matt, you, you asked me advice on that situation because the way you handled it didn't glorify God too much. Do I memorize and meditate on Scripture that would keep me from temptation and sin? Am I completely truthful in my closest relationships or do I put a mask of hypocrisy through deception? <laughs> I could preach a whole message right there, but I won't. Is my love for Jesus fervent and vital because I think often on what he did for me on the cross? Have you let your walk with Christ get become stale the longer you get in your journey? Or are you just as passionate as the first day you surrender? Do, do I truly want God's blessing on my life and on my family and on my ministry that he's entrusted me to, not to make me famous, not to make me look good, but to bring him glory. Is that my desire this morning? Listen, I don't know about you this morning. I, I don't want to be busy with activity and busy with my hands and my heart be off. Come on, I want you to stand all over this place. I want you to close your eyes right where you're standing. And right now, Holy Spirit, I want you just to search. God, even in my preparation, your, your spirit was pointing things out in my life. That God, I didn't, I didn't really want it, but God, I needed it. And God, right now, as your people, that we stand here this morning, we're in that living room this morning, our campus leaders, you're getting ready to come. And God, we're getting ready to come into your presence. God, we're getting ready to come into your throne room. God, you're already here. And God, we're going to come to you this morning, not because we've got all the right activity, not because we've checked all the boxes, but simply because of what your son Jesus did. He made us righteous. He made us holy. So right where you stand this morning, if you're there and you say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never asked forgiveness of my sins. That's your first step. That's where you need to start. You need to first say, God, I don't want you to just be my my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want to do life your way. So if that's you right there, that needs to be your prayer today. God, forgive me of my sins. I've never come to you before. I've never asked forgiveness. Or maybe I once did, but I've walked away and I've been doing life on my own. But 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 I want to come back to you. And, and if you're here this morning, you say, but I know Jesus. I've been serving him for a while. But, but what is it in your own life as you stand there? What is it in your own life that you say, you know what? I've been, I've been doing the right activity, but my heart's been off. I mean, I'm coming to church. I've been holding out on some things on God because I, I, there's just some things in my heart that hasn't been pure. And this morning, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to make us pure. The Holy Spirit is about to come in this word holiness. He's going to begin to work. He's going to begin to instruct. Come on, as a sign of surrender with both hands lifted up to God this morning.
and come on right where you stand, right there in your seat. I want you just to begin to talk to God this morning. Come on, what is it that the Holy Spirit has illuminated in your life? Is it an attitude? Is it a way you've been responding to people? Maybe it's your inability that you haven't stepped out yet to begin to use your gifts and talents. Maybe you've been so busy, but your heart has not been right. So come on, right there, Holy Spirit, we stand. Come on, I want you to begin to talk to God. God, I come before you. God, there's some things in my life that that's not right. God, I want to, I don't want just, I want, I don't want anything in my life to be a little off. I don't want to just be busy. God, I don't want to just fill my schedule. God, I want satisfaction in my life. God, I want to build your kingdom in my life. And God, I don't want to just do it for notoriety. I don't want to just do it to get your hand on my life. God, I want my intentions to be pure. I want my heart to be pure. God, I want those of my love for you. Come on for 60 seconds now. Come on, those hands raised. Come on, just talk to God. Holy Spirit, search us this morning. Listen, as we go this week, I want you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder or grab their hand if you want to, if you're comfortable doing that. And come on, as we go this week, can you pray for that person on your left, on your right? God, as we go this week, 
God, it's your people. God, it's moms and dads, it's grandmas and grandpas, it's students on our campuses. God, it's husbands and wives. God, we're going to go to our city. We're going to go to our communities. We're going to go to our schools. God, I pray, Lord, that this week, God, that as we are active, that's what you're calling us to do. God, we, we don't want to be stale. God, we don't want to just sit, God, and not do anything. We want to be active. We want to put our hands to the plow. But God, I pray that most importantly, our hearts would stay pure. God, our intentions would stay pure. God, as we talk to people, as we pray for people, God, as we as we raise our kids, as we're married to our spouses, as we talk to our coworkers, God, help our intentions be pure. God, I pray blessings over these people. God, bless them as they go. God, bless them as they come in. God, that your face would shine upon them, that your hand of protection would be about them. God, help us go be salt and light this week. God, help us sort of grow and to change our city, not for popularity for us, but God, for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, amen, and amen, and amen. Hey, come on, you can give Jesus a big hand clap of praise. Hey, listen, as you leave today, listen, take some time. Go go see Josiah's wife. Go check out the table. Just introduce. They're our guests today. Go say hello to them and tell them thanks for coming. But listen, go sign up for a small group, for a serving team. If you're like, I don't even know what I want to do yet, there's a card there. Sign up. We'll get you plugged in where you need to be. We love you. We'll see you back next week. You be safe.